begin by wishing you a happy Easter. It is so wonderful to see you all here today in your colorful Easter clothes. And what a joyous day it is. We were worried that it was going to be sort of stormy outside. And at the last minute, uh, I pulled some strings. <laughs> it's, it's a glorious Easter day. And being so late this year, it couldn't be more beautiful all around our community. And so it's easy for us to feel this great sense of joy. You know, we, we have this lead up to Easter, the season of Lent, which uh, begins with Ash Wednesday when we acknowledge our mortality and sinfulness. And we go through those 40 days like Jesus went through the temptation in the wilderness for 40 days. And we take on um, studies or penance or we give up things that give us uh, mortal pleasure in order to try to... Uh, purify our minds and our hearts to be able to really receive the gift today. And as we progress farther and farther into that season, we come finally to Holy Week. And this year we had some very beautiful services on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. And those services, while they have a tinge of joy in them, really underscore the sorrow and the agony uh, and the temptation that Christ went through in suffering for us. And uh, starting with Maundy Thursday, with the, the church lights are dimmed, the bells are no longer rung, and after Good Friday, we have the, the service uh, on Good Friday, all of the Blessed Sacrament within the church is consumed. There's nothing left in the church. The lights are out, the bells are silent, Jesus is gone. And you can really, really feel a difference in a church, and in this church particularly, when that is the case. And there's this feeling of emptiness, a feeling of loss, a feeling of deep sorrow, like something's wrong. And so with that feeling, I can sort of begin to imagine what Mary Magdalene and Simon Peter and John and the other disciples must have been feeling. When they spent so much time with Jesus, traveling about with him, hearing him preach, seeing him uh, perform mir miracles and cures, even raising someone from the dead, and thinking perhaps a little erroneously about what exactly his mission was in the world. You know, to the very end, uh, they were fighting over who would be the greatest among them, perhaps thinking that Jesus had come to create some great earthly kingdom, which he did not. Of course, they, wisdom meets them in the end. But they have such high hopes, whatever their hopes may be. They've made such a friend in their master. And then he's taken from them in a brutal way, and executed publicly, and then laid in a borrowed tomb. And so those days just after Jesus' death must have been a time of profound sadness for them, of profound loss, of confusion, of self-doubt, despair, dread. What in the world were they going to do with themselves now? They had put all their hopes on Jesus, and now they had taken him away for what they thought was forever. So Mary Magdalene 
the dutiful Mary Magdalene, his dear friend, goes to the tomb to perform the rites which were required. And as she makes her way sorrowfully to the tomb, she notices that the great stone which had been put in front of it in order to prevent a theft of his body and false claims of resurrection, that great stone had been rolled away. And so she assumed someone had taken him and was even more heartbroken. Could you imagine adding that burden to her already heavy heart? But so she goes and gets the disciples who come and they too see the empty tomb and turn away more despondent than ever. But it is Mary Magdalene who stays behind, weeping. And at one point she looks once more into the tomb, perhaps before she was going to turn back to her own home. And she sees two angels who say, why are you weeping? She says, they have taken him away. I do not know where they have laid him. And then immediately turns and sees Jesus, but doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. And says, please, wherever you've taken his body, just tell me and I will come and care for him. But with one word, her own name, Mary, the scales fall from her eyes. She recognizes the risen Lord. She shouts, Rabboni, which means teacher. And he tells her, go. Go and tell my brothers. Remember the story of the transfiguration on the mount when Peter and James and John saw Jesus in his glory. And Peter, not knowing what he was saying, suggested that they build a shrine there. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. That's not what Jesus has in mind. From there, they turn and they go towards Jerusalem to face his fate. And again, at the resurrection, while I'm sure she was brimming over with joy and disbelief, perhaps, at seeing the risen Lord, he says, do not hold on to me. Go. Go and tell my brothers. Do not stay at this tomb. This tomb is empty. This tomb is lifeless. Go. And so Mary Magdalene becomes the first apostle of the resurrection. She runs and tells the others, I have seen the Lord. And we know that in other accounts, Jesus does appear several other times to the disciples in various ways. And there are other stories where he appears and is not recognized at first by people who should have known him. But when they hear his words, their eyes and their hearts are opened. And so it is our prayer during this festive, uh, joyous time of year that we can follow that example of St. Mary Magdalene, that even though sometimes our eyes are clouded by the worries, and work of this world, we come back, we wait, we stand vigil, and we pray. And we come to our churches week after week, year after year, and hear the word of God 
we receive the sacrament in which we believe Jesus is truly present with us. And just like Mary Magdalene, when we are filled with that spirit and that grace and the presence of Jesus Christ, we are called to go. We are not called to stay and shut ourselves in. We are called to go. For just as she was the first apostle of the resurrection, so we too are to go out into the world until he comes, spreading his good news of love and reconciliation and the power of his grace and the work of his healing hands. We are called to feed the poor, to clothe the naked, to bring life to the dead. And so whatever that tomb is to you, that thing that you would rather just sort of stick around and, and uh, feel safe, if a little sad, if a little unfulfilled, don't stick around that tomb. The tomb is empty, thanks be to God. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so be filled with that resurrection joy as you go out to the rest of this season, and I pray throughout the rest of the year, and become like Mary Magdalene, an apostle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.